share a testimony with us as I begin this morning. And I'm going to try, as, as we're working through the book of Ephesians, um, Jared, you're up next Sunday, right? And uh, I was young people and some of you old folks as well. Uh, share how you come to know Christ and, and maybe what he's doing in your life. So, Courtney, come on up and uh, I'll give you the pulpit and I'll turn this off and they'll give you a mic. Good morning. I'm Courtney Jones, in case I haven't introduced myself. <laughs> um, Jerry asked me to give my testimony today and tell you like what's happening in my life, so here it goes. Um, when I was five or six, I accepted Christ into my life, and I've grown up in a Christian family that's like really close and really amazing, and like everyone hangs out all the time, and it's pretty awesome. Um, and then I grew up going to Awanas and VBS and Mountain Meadows, and um, when I was in like third or fourth grade at VBS, um, there was a, a lady like trying to explain to the girl in front of me how to like accept Christ into her life. And I piped up all in my humble self, well, I've accepted Christ in my life seven times. And the girl turns to, or the lady turns to the girl and is like, you don't have to do that. And I was like really offended that she would just like say that. And then I realized I only have to do it once and I am saved when I do the, when I, when I just pray that for God to be in my life. And so that's when that like, first I realized that it was only one time thing and then when I was in seventh and eighth grade I had this teacher called Mrs. Henry and um, she was an amazing teacher and uh, I was in student council and she like led that whole thing and she made it a priority or made us yeah made it a priority that we would be reading our bible like every day and that's when it like my relationship with Christ became my own and then this past summer, I got baptized up at family camp, just making my public pro proclamation of my faith, and that's like my testimony. And then he also asked me to share like what's happening in my life right now, like what God's doing in my life. And um, something that I've always struggled with is praying without ceasing or just praying in general. And um, the challenge that he told us, like the 24-7 challenge to like wake up every day and say, I'm going to walk this day with Jesus. Um, the couple days that I remembered that I was doing that, um, it was a reminder that Jesus is always there, just, you just need to talk to him, and it was pretty cool to, like, just remember that throughout the day, and then another thing that God has been reminding me of is that in the midst of our busy lives, that we just need to, like, sit down and enjoy the little things, um, like the beautiful sunsets, a room full of laughing friends, a cool-looking tree, or snow-covered mountains. And a really cool song that I've heard is called Dream Small by Josh Wilson, and it's just one of those reminders that it's okay to have big dreams, but don't let those big things distract you from the little beautiful things that are happening right in front of you. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney, and thank you, all you young people that are trusting Christ as your Savior and living it out uh, in your everyday lives at school or wherever God may have you. Uh, 
it's encouraging to us old folks, it really is, uh, to see young people grasping a hold of Jesus and, and starting to live it out in their lives. Um, she mentioned the 24-7 challenge. We'll talk about that a little bit today, but uh, um, I, I just want to share what I have as far as a vision. Um, glory now, don't take it easy. <laughs> um, I see a people, some young and some old, and uh, some with a lot of energy and some in the last stages of life and some struggling with pain and heartache and some right in the midst of having babies and developing and growing a family and, and um, in all walks of life. And I see those people getting up every morning and putting their feet on the floor and saying, what are Jesus and I going to do today? I see those people enjoying. Do you have those little cards with you? You happen to have that little card with you? Do we have that to go up or not? Ah, uh, you're supposed to bring your little card with you. Ah, uh, waving cards. There's some out there. Um, if somebody wasn't here last Sunday and didn't get one, or just Jared's got some, if you raise your hand, you want one, uh, we'll, we'll get it around to you. There's right up here. Um, It's that idea of folks being able to, on this card it says, to see him clearly, to understand him deeply, to enjoy him thoroughly, to delight in him fully, to love him completely and obey him perfectly. The first five things on that card are our goal. To see him clearly, to understand him deeply, to enjoy him thoroughly, to delight in him fully and to love him completely the last one is the result of those verse 5 things happening in our lives. And I see a people that are going to school, that are going to work, that are building their homes, and they're gathering here, and they're rejoicing, but they're taking Jesus with them everywhere. And they're conscious of that. Young people going to school. What, what an opportunity. Courtney, every morning, the rest of you, get up. Spend some time with the Lord. Ask yourself that question, what are the Lord and I going to do today? Take him with you. He is with you. You can't leave him home if you're a Christian anyway. He, he, he's indwelling you. And so you might as well be conscious of the fact that he's right there. And I see a people that are doing that and growing and making it a change in, in their communities and their homes because Jesus is with them every day. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about uh, people that are responding to this, that have written me, that have emailed and have called and have just stopped and talked to me. People down at Cottonwood and people here. Uh, some in actually Florida where we, where we brought this message as well. Um, it can change our lives. It's a big step. It's a, it's a big step in realizing that we're walking with Jesus every day. But it's a journey. It's... Uh, Something that's going to take us all some time um, to, to get that habit. To uh, I, I, know, I know one person has mentioned, I'm writing little notes here and there, <laughs> reminding myself that uh, 
Jesus is with me. It's not just enough to start the day, but we get busy and we, and we can forget about that as well. I see those people coming back on Sunday mornings and singing praises and, to God and worshiping and, and teaching one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, that's the body of Christ energized by the presence of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about that. Last Sunday when we gave that challenge, um, and I hope all of you have tried it that were here, um, to varying degrees of uh, success I, when you first start out. Uh, Monday, pretty good, Tuesday, and then Wednesday was so busy I forgot, uh, or whatever, get back on it. Um, make it make it something that happens in your life every day. But as we shared that challenge, one of the things that happened and happened in Cottonwood, happened here, um, is someone sharing their sense of unworthiness. Uh, that illustration of, of um, putting yourself in that position of Jesus coming through the door at uh, knocking on your door at 6 in the morning and saying, I want to spend the day with you. And you actually see him, and he's, and he's right there, and you know he's the Lamb of God, the creator of the world, your Savior. And as one lady uh, relayed to me, she said, I, I just, I, I kind of, I sense shrinking, shrinking away um, from my unworthiness. And... Uh, Another young man shared with me that his walk with the Lord is pretty cold. Uh, it's not what it should be. And the sense of being able to, to, to just open right up and embrace Jesus as being right there with him is hard because of guilt, of not living to our potential in Christ. And, and, and we all have that. None, none of us live perfectly. And we all sin. None of us live up to that calling. And yet, we're going to tackle that question this morning. Does that keep us? Does that somehow keep God uh, from wanting that personal fellowship with us day, hour by hour, uh, day by day? Uh, I mentioned last Sunday that I uh, taught this down in Cottonwood, and a man came to me, and he had some marriage issues, and we, I sat down with him, and I told you this part. I said, uh, how is that daily walk with the Lord, and he said, I just, I'm so, I can't do that. I just feel so unworthy, and I, I, I don't do my devotions like I'm supposed to. I've, I've, God has done all these things for me, and I just don't respond like I should, and I just feel guilty, and so I just, I kind of, I got him pushed back to a distance. I feel unworthy. I asked him this question, and it's a good one uh, to think about. I said, well, how long do you think it will take for you to get worthy? How long do you think it will take for you to get worthy so that you can walk with Jesus without any embarrassment? Well, it's not going to happen, is it? It's just not going to happen. So to go down that path is is crazy. It's ludicrous. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are absolutely worthy. We're going to tackle that a little bit this morning and see why. How could a loving, holy, righteous, just creator of the universe that hates sin 
have fellowship with a selfish person like me that fails miserably from what I should be in Jesus Christ. How, how does that, how can he do that? Well, we're going we're gonna to look at that. Um, turn with me first to Ephesians 4.1 where we started the other day and I just, I just want to remind you of this because it's so important. There's so many people that have been raised in Christianity or some form of Christianity early on in their life and it's been beat into them that they need to obey, they need to obey, they need to obey. Uh, this is what Jesus did for you. So you need to obey. You need to clean up your act. You need to be, do better at this. You need to do better on that. And what happens is that we feel like we're in trouble. We feel like we're in trouble. And I think that's what I title this sermon this morning, You're Not in Trouble. Uh, but in Ephesians 4, 1, it says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of his calling. And chapters 4, 5, and 6 are telling us how we ought to live. And I suggested to you last time, and I repeated and repeated and repeated, that you can only be obedient the way the Lord wants you to be obedient if you understand and are experiencing the truths in chapter 1, 2, and 3. And I want to tell you something about your salvation if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Your salvation is so much greater than just the forgiveness of sin. As we explore through the book of Ephesians, you are going to see that when you trusted Christ as your Savior, in that moment, the floodgates of heaven were opened and poured out on you were the grace and the mercy and the love of God that's beyond definition, beyond explanation. That's why Paul keeps saying words like, lavished upon us the grace, his surpassing riches of, of Jesus and the blessings of heaven. He just, he just keeps trying to give us words that would somehow tell us what a great salvation we have and all that's in it. And so we're going to try to examine that as we uh, go through the book of Ephesians. But turn with me back to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And um, if you look in your bulletin, you will see that the welcome this morning was to you saints. Welcome to church, saints. How can the ruler, creator of this universe, the almighty God, have fellowship with us sinful people? And the opening verse in Ephesians chapter 1 says, the answer is in the first two phrases in the first verse. It is addressed to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Those two truths, if we understand them in their fullness, will tell us how it is, how God is able, as a just and holy God, to be in the presence of a sinful person. We are saints, hagias. That's holy, 
that could be read to the holy ones, to the sinless ones who are at Ephesus, who are the faithful in Christ Jesus. We could put the name of our church in there. In fact, this was believed to be a letter that rotated, and in the early manuscripts uh, at Ephesus wasn't in the manuscripts. It was believed to be a letter that went out to all kinds of churches and was circulatory, read to them all. So it could be read to us, the saints who are at Old Grove Bible Fellowship, the holy ones, the sinless ones. And you say, well, I don't feel all that sinless. Well, let's try to figure that out. What's the Word of God say about that? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 1. And you were dead in your sins, in your trespasses, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. I want you to notice that, underline it, think about it. We were by nature the children of wrath. Our nature was sinful. We were born sinners. We were born under the control and power of our father, the devil. When sin entered into this world and into our human race, we inherited it. It is our DNA. It is our nature. And he is saying, were, past tense. You were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. It's something, if you're a Christian, if you're a saint, that's what you were. And it doesn't make any difference if you come to Christ when you're five or you come to Christ when you're 105. He gives you a new nature. Listen to this. Even as the rest, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions or sins, he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive. You remember what Jesus told Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3? Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. A person has, there has to be a new person created to be able to see the kingdom of God. This is not just a metaphor. This is talking about being a new person, a new man, a new nature, a new DNA. So what God's doing for us at our, with our salvation when we trust Him as our Lord and Savior, He's placing within us His Spirit and giving us a new nature. Now that new nature can understand things of God. When he told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, without being born again, Nicodemus, you cannot 
see the kingdom of God. When you are born again, you can see the kingdom of God. It opens up your eyes to the scripture. It opens up your eyes to the creator. It, it opens up your belief system. You can accept the things of the Bible. You can accept scripture for what it is because you know it's words from God and you are his son. You are his daughter. You have been adopted into his family and you and you have a new nature that responds to that. That's what he's telling us there in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to me to Colossians. He, he re repeats it another way in Colossians. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. A couple books over. If you go to Colossians chapter 2, um, I'm going to start with verse 11, kind of cut into a thought here. But this is a beautiful thought. And I so desperately want you to understand this this morning. Verse 9, let's start at verse 9. For in, all, in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Christ is all God. There is any more God than Christ. There's no more God than the Father. There's no more God than the Holy Spirit. They are the fullness of God. But what happened to us when we trusted Christ as our Savior? Now, this, this is not necessarily something, well, it isn't something that you would know unless you read it. All these riches of God's grace are revealed to us. They're not something that all of a sudden we just experience them. We have to look at the Scripture and see what happened to us. What happened to me when I was put into this family? For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. It's a done deal. And he is the head over all rule and authority, and in him, now, now watch these next verses, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In that Jewish system, they cut away the skin and said, now this is a sign that you are in this um, fellowship, in, in this nation. Well, God is talking about a different kind of cutting away here. He is the head over all rule authority, and in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision. This is a circumcision made without hands. It's What is it? It's the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. There is something going on here that's absolutely mystical, but we need to understand it, and we need to believe it. Only when we believe it will we begin to put it into practice. But it is unbelievable to the natural man, and quite frankly, I'm having a hard time grasping it myself. Because what he's going to tell us is that you are a new man and that your old flesh is gone. Your old nature, your old um, control under Satan. You have new DNA. Okay? Now we're going to try and answer the question, how come I still sin in a little bit, and, and what about that? But here's what we have to understand first. We, 
this circumcision was a removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, and that, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The old Jerry has been nailed to the cross, and he's made a new Jerry. He's made a new man. New man. He's put a new heart within him. He, he's, he's put a new DNA, a new nature, a nature that responds to God, a nature that can understand God, a nature that delights in the things of God. And at the same time as doing that, it's beginning, to, it's beginning to look at the old way and go, oh, that's not good. But this is what he did. How did he do that? He has um, taking it, having nailed it to the cross. Uh, there's another portion of Scripture. Let me, let, let's turn there. Um, Romans chapter 6. Let's go back to Romans chapter 6, because there's a picture here that is, repeats the same thing, but it says it in a little different way. If we go with uh, Romans chapter 6, He's talking about the same subject that we're in. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? This is actually talking about how we handle sin. But listen to this. May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know? Now this is so important. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There's a picture here that I want you to grasp. And I was studying this week, and, and I, I, I spent a little time with the Lord and spent a little time in the Scripture, and, and I, I was kind of overwhelmed with this thought. Normally, we see Christ on the cross like this, with his arms outstretched, nails driven through his hands. That's a physical picture of Christ on the cross. And I understand it. All the pain, all, all the sacrifice. But I want you to picture not his physical arms, but his spiritual arms. Because his spiritual arms are folded around us he is taking us to the cross with him. 2,000 years ago, Jerry Boyle went to the cross with Jesus Christ, wrapped in his arms. See, Scripture tells me that my name was written in the book of life before creation. Now, 
Do I understand that? How that works? No, I don't understand that how it works. We'll talk about it a little more next Sunday, but I don't, I don't understand that, but I read it and I rejoice in it. In Christ, my name was written in the book of life. And when he went to the cross, he wrapped his arms around me and he said, you're going to die with me, old Jerry. You're going to die with me. And then I'm going to take you down to the grave. And it's going to be lonely, but I am with you. And when, I get, when we get done there, I'm, you, I'm going to bring you with me in the resurrection, in the newness of life. And you're not only going to have that resurrection assured for you, but you're going to have eternity assured for you. Praise God. That's where Dick Marks is right now. Does Dick Marks want to come back here? <laughs> Not on your life. He love his wife and his children all he wants to, but he's in the presence of Jesus, and it, it, everything has changed. And the glories of God are, are not faith anymore. They're seen by sight. I said we often look forward to seeing our loved ones in heaven, and I'm sure we do. But I'm telling you what, when we, our eyes are open and we get a glimpse of the Holy Christ that has saved us, uh, we're going to have to take a little time with him before we start looking up our friends and relatives because it's going to be so awesome, so glorious. You see, but that's what Jesus did to my old man. I was buried with him. I was crucified with him. I was buried with him. I was raised with him. So much so that Paul is going to, Tell us a little bit of his struggle in chapter 7. You're, you're here in Romans chapter 7. Come, go with me. Let's pick it up at 13. It's going to take us a little bit of 7.13, but uh, we'll read through it, and we're going to catch up with why can the Lord still have fellowship with this sinner. And I'm going to give you a little hint ahead of time. Because it's not me who's sinning. It's not me that is sinning. I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. I'm seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. This is a hard thing to grasp. And for some it might sound like an excuse to sin. Paul's pretty clear about this. Romans chapter 7, verse 13. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? Talking about the law, may it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good. He's talking here about the law bringing, uh, making our sin plain, that we're sinners. You, you look at God's commands, you see, you see all the things he he, he requires of man, and you say, well, I don't measure up. For we know that the law is spiritual, he says. We know that this is a spiritual union. This new man is a spiritual union. But I'm of the flesh. Here's what happens when we got saved. Christ is going to pour out the 
all his grace and his love and his mercy on our life. He's going to forgive our sins. He's going to adopt us as sons. He's going to, he's going to bring us into the family. And there's just a myriad of other things that he does, and we're going to look at them here in the future. But he doesn't take us out of the old house. We still have to live in the old house. It was born in sin, and my mind and my habits still sin. I am contaminated by my former sin, my former boss, as it were, my former father, Satan. And it's going to take me a while to get a handle on some of these things. Okay? But now watch what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. Yeah, my fleshly body is still can sin. For what am I doing? He says, I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do. This is the dilemma when you put a new person, when you, when you create a new person and leave him in the old body. You have a new nature. I want to throw a little illustration in for you this morning. I've told you this story before, but it, I think it fits here, and I, I love it, so I'm going to repeat it, and you have to listen to it. Um, my dad was mowing in the lower meadow one time, and, and the sickle bar ran across the hen pheasant and killed her. And he stopped the mower and got out, and there was this little clutch of eggs. Took off his hat. He put all these eggs in, the, in this hat, and he took them up to the house where he had an old white turkey was sitting on her eggs. He put them in there with him, and she hatched them. And she had little turkeys, and she had little pheasants. And while they were little, the little pheasants pretty much acted like little turkeys. They ran around with all the little turkeys and their mother and did little turkey things. And then they started growing and they started getting feathers and they started getting wings. And all of a sudden, they started acting like their DNA. And Dad says, the last time I saw the old turkey hen, she was trying to follow the pheasants who were flying off into the bushes. They had a, they had a different DNA. I have a different DNA than that turkey that used to be my boss, Satan, gave me in sin. I have a new DNA. My DNA wants to follow Jesus, but I still live in the flesh. I, I still struggle here. I do not understand, Paul says in verse 15, for I do not practice what I would like to do. Why would he like to do something different? Because he has a new nature. He has a new DNA. He wants to follow Jesus. Okay? But I am doing the very thing I hate. Yeah. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law. And you can see what that, what that means. It said the law said, you know, that, that you sin. 
confessing the law is good. Now, verse 17, you want to underline this? You want to think about this this week? You want to challenge me on this? It's okay. 17 says, so now, no longer am I doing the one doing it or doing the sinning, but sin which dwells in me. I have a new nature. See, I'm a new person. And that's the righteousness that I have of Jesus. He placed his righteousness on me when he took my unrighteousness away. And the reason I can have fellowship with him, no matter how many times I stumble, how many times I fail, how many times I disappoint myself in my walk with the Lord, the, I can always, always, always be face to face with Jesus because he is not disappointed in me because he sees me as righteous. Does he see my sin? Yes. Yes, of course he does. But he knows that's coming from my flesh, and he's going to tell me in a lot of instruction how to live with that and how to deal with that. But that never, ever means that I'm in trouble with him. I am not in trouble with Jesus ever after I've come to Christ. Ever. Don't you just hate that feeling when you grow up and, and it's either your parents or the school or your coach or somebody, you're in trouble. You've messed up and you have to face them. That's a terrible feeling. And it's a feeling I'm afraid that many Christians carry over into their Christian walk. I didn't perform well enough. I didn't live up to the standard. So therefore, somehow he's disappointed in me. No, he's not. Because he only sees you righteously. That's how much his grace and his love is poured out to you. He's changed you into a new person. Now, he's going to tell us how to handle all this sin. But it is, but it is absolutely fundamental to understand that that's not this new person that's having fellowship with Jesus. He says, for I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. See, he's making the distinction between his new person and the old house he's living in. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. Yeah, I, I ended up doing that. Yeah. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I, no long, I am no longer the one doing it. But sin which dwells in me. Boy, if we can ever grasp that truth, we are going to be one joyous bunch of Christians. We are going to be rejoicing all day long. And when we sin, we're going to confess it and say, yeah, Lord, that, I recognize that. Yeah, that, that's most, I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to, yeah, I confess that. 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me. Yes, it is. I've got to live with it. The one who wants to do good, yeah, in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. That's me. 
but I see a different law in the members of my body. Yeah. Waging war against the law of my mind, against this new man, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. He's thinking through this, and then he, he says, like the rest of us, he said, wretched man that I am. Now, that's not the new man. That's this thing I'm living in. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. There's going to come a day when that, that, that's gone. Last night, just like that, Dick Mark went from, from having that old body and that old sinful propensity contaminated by the sin of Lucifer into the presence of Jesus, sinless, holy, righteous before God for eternity. So then, on the one hand, I find myself with my mind observing the law of God, but on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. Unfortunately, the Bible writers put a new chapter right here. Ignore it and read the next verse, because it will convince you that what I'm saying is true. He's only looking at the new man. What does it say? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is none. I don't care what the sins you're struggling with. There's no condemnation for them if you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, Scripture says. Because he has made you righteous, he has made you worthy, he has made you his son, he's made you his daughter. He is in you, you are in him. We are saints because we're in Christ. Watch him in the knee, he said it this way. He said, if you place a piece of paper in a book and throw the book in the fire, what happens to the piece of paper? It's gone with the book. Same thing happens to the paper that happens with you, with, with the book. When you're placed in Christ, everything that happens to Christ happens to you. You went to the cross. You went to the grave. You went, you're, went to the resurrection. You're even now seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Everything that's Christ is yours because you're in Christ. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I suggest. Maybe a little practical matter. When Satan or your unscriptural thoughts tell you that you're unworthy because you sinned, you can look him in the eye and you can say, I know I have some contamination left over from my old nature, from you, Satan. I know that. 
and I'm trying to do it. But I'll tell you what, I am worthy now. I am worthy in the future. I am worthy forever because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing. Because Jesus paid for it all. And he made me a new person. Yeah, I've got to struggle with this sin. And there's whole portions of Scripture that help us to understand that. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I tell you, friend, this morning, if you've not put your trust in Jesus Christ, there is condemnation for you. You are under the wrath of God. You're under the condemnation of God. And he will carry out that wrath, and he will carry out that condemnation unless you turn to him, because he has opened his arms, went to the cross, and asked you to trust him as your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, he gives you this new nature. He places you in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Because you have a new DNA. You have a new nature. Jesus, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word. Thank you for this journey that we're on. I pray that we may see you more clearly. That we may know you more deeply and fully. Rejoice in you. Delight in you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Help us not to try to get the obeying ahead of the delighting and enjoying and knowing you. It will come as we grow in you to the delight in you. Help us to understand and fully appreciate our salvation. In Christ Jesus, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Sin um, doesn't have the same appeal when you really truly, truly see.